Welcome to Loose Gymming, the podcast that's going to get you thinking differently about fitness. To get you in the shape of your life, but without it taking over your life. I'm BFast Joe. And I'm lovely Lifter Safe. Welcome back, team. And this is basically a part two on how we talked about last week about building a better body and what a better body really means. This is part two, and it's all about a foolproof foundation for a better body that feels better, looks better, and moves better. And we're going to break that down for you and tell you all the things you need to consider when you start a new fitness journey. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> that was just perfect. There's nothing for me to add. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> well, other than, so a good plan would be if you've not listened to last week's, let's plug last week's episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So basically last week, so what we were just, as a brief recap, when we were talking about what a better body means to us, it was like I say, it's about feeling better, about moving better and about looking better, but not in the way where you're trying to look like an Instagram model. It's about, you know, improved health, improved vitality, improved, you know, better skin, better hair, better posture. Um, and of course, if you've got body composition goals and want to get leaner too, things like that are absolutely fine. But trying to kind of tie that in with your performance goals of like moving better and feeling better, which is the most important marker mm-hmm. definitely yeah so i think we're going to kick things off today we're talking about kind of the training process then so when it comes to our better body blueprint here's all the things we feel that you should include when it comes to exercise movement training and we'll just uh, let's just go for it yes. so, so this is just going to give you a great idea of what we do at be fast and what you would expect especially in your first 28 days and how you're going to get looked after and what's it called the method behind the madness hmm. Yeah, so I always say this to our our members, sometimes just to make, you know, make it easier on them if uh, we're making them do a mean exercise (laughs) to why we're doing it. There's always reasons to to what we do. And hopefully today we're going to break some of those down for you. Mm -hmm. So we're going to firstly start with our sort of training mantra and how you would train in your first 28 days. Yeah, so a big thing about us though, so like one of our main things that we always believe in is like strength is such a great foundation for you for any goal in life. So it doesn't matter whether you're an athlete, it doesn't matter whether you're a, you know, a mom trying to carry around a pram or a pushchair, it doesn't matter if you're like a 80 year old person who wants to be able to move better up and down the stairs. Strength is the perfect foundation for any training plan. And what I think is one of the most important things is that strength is just accessible to everyone pretty much, isn't it, across the board? Whereas, you know, if you think about things like high impact stuff like HIIT training or running and things like that, not everyone really is right to start off with something like that. If they've not trained before, if they're deconditioned, if they have aches, pains, injuries, it can be very difficult to go straight in there and say like, you know, whack on some trainers and go for a 20 minute run if you've got knee pain or ankle pain or hip pain. Whereas when you're in the gym and you're looking at a strength-based program, there's pretty much always something we're going to be able to find for you to do, whether it's working around the joints or working in a completely different area of your body. Strength training is probably one of the easiest things that you can adjust based on your level of fitness and your level of kind of ability at the moment, if you like. Yeah. And strength, I always, you know, we can be scared, especially like women, especially scared to hear that word strength. And we're like, well, I'd that don't really necessarily want to get stronger with huge muscles and I always say to them firstly it's it's really hard to to just gain loads and loads of muscle overnight that's not possible but what I really want to focus on is that we need to know that from 30 onwards when we turn 30 we don't realize that not only do our, is our brain fully developed by the way I learned this the other day we when we hit 30 our brain is fully developed. I actually think it's 32 for men. Oh, shock. 
immature men <laughs> immature men so not only are we like at the peak of our adulthood we also lose start losing our muscle mass i can't quite remember the percentage of muscle mass that we lose yeah i'm not sure specific yeah. percentages but i know it is it is it does get significant if you don't include like sort of strength yeah. type work in your plan and yeah. in your sort of daily or weekly routines exactly so when we were thinking about strength and resistance training we're looking at maintaining current muscle mass which we all really 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 need and then helping it grow stronger getting us to find things easier so don't think when we talk about strength it's all about bodybuilding work it is about maintaining what we have and not losing anything yeah and i also want to just add to that as well though like you know also just not getting around the fact that building some muscle is also a good thing yeah like we don't want to be scared of that like obviously maintenance is a great place to start on a plan especially if you've got like a fat loss goal and stuff like that but also if you currently had you know obviously not zero muscle mass as you wouldn't be moving but if you had like you know a very low muscle mass percentage at the moment and you actually build and increase some muscle you're going to start to look leaner, you're going to feel strong, you're going to be able to kind of, you know, like just look like a more kind of athletic type physique. These, all these things tie in together with increasing your, a little bit of muscle mass. But like you say, it still doesn't mean you're going to look like, I haven't said this for a long time. You're not going to look like Arnie in a dress if, for the women out there. And blokes out there, you're not going to look like Arnie in little shorts and a vest. I know, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> you know, whoever wants to look like Arnie, you don't realise what you actually have to go through to get there. Yeah, a hell of a lot of training for a hell of a lot of years and a hell of a lot of drugs. So it's all these things that you've got to tie in and think about, but don't be scared of like building a little bit of muscle mass, especially if you currently don't really have any. It's not just about the way you look, but muscle mass is so important for our overall longevity, um, how we're going to age and how we're going to move into later life and things like that. And I know like for a lot of us listening to this now, you're probably not thinking about like, you know, you sort of your 80s or 70s or 90s or whatever it is. But, you know, if you're stronger now and you have more muscle mass, you've got a much lower mortality rate than someone who doesn't strength train, who doesn't lift, who doesn't have decent muscle maintenance or muscle mass on their frame. So it's something really important. And like I say, it's a perfect foundation. Um, just give us some examples of people you've worked with coming through the door who perhaps couldn't do something like a high impact run or class, but you've been able to strength train, like where would you take someone that's kind of never really done this sort of training before? Just talk through as like a little bit of a progression across like a month of training, for example. So if you've come in and you're brand new mm. and they've done running before it hurts them, that sort of stuff. Yeah, or just you know someone's just not right for running, they've got like previous injuries or conditions that prevent them from doing something like that. Yeah. Well, How can we adapt strength training for their goals? Easy. So. Currently, I work with an amazing woman who um, has two hip replacements. Running isn't going to be something that's going to help her at all. And she came to me and it's amazing when people just want to get stronger and, and work. And not only that, she'd read, she reads articles all the time talking about how amazing strength how amazing strength work is for like over 50s. But straight away, you could be working on squats make sure that we're driving the knees out, that sort of stuff. You can get on cardio kit um, machines. We can work on our posture by ring rows, um, core work, sleds, mm -hmm. deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, I've, I've obviously, um, I've never really, I've trained, uh, trained Jane a couple of times, but of course you've trained her like throughout her whole sort of journey of this strength training journey. And just I remember like when you first started training her in these sessions and you were doing like supported squats, she was just using her body weight, like holding onto rings and kind of building her strength up that way. And now she's in the gym deadlifting like 60 kilos. And it's like, she, how, uh, how young is Jane now? 
I'm going to go for the 65 range. Yeah, so, and she's doing this in like in a, in a sort of mid 60s and like just the improvements are massive to see in terms of mobility, movement, just like the confidence in the gym as well, which we'll get to a little bit later. But again, this is from someone who'd never lifted before. They've built that foundation of strength, but this is now going to be able to really help her in her day-to-day life and sort of keep him progressing on that from there. So strength is so important, but it's also so accessible to pretty much everyone that's able to do something like you know but there's always variations we can work with people so that's kind of our foundation number one strength strength training we love strength um and next a really big one for us is our mobility Mm. so there's two words here that we can use you've got your mobility and your flexibility so what i sort of try to explain to people is flexibility is maybe like the splits or What's another like massive flexibility movement? Just like touching your toes is a simple yeah. one. Yeah. And mobility being, so I'm going to use myself as an example. I have got no flexibility. I cannot do. My hamstrings are the tightest things ever. Like if you try to get me doing the splits, I'd probably have to rush to A&E. <laughs> um, but I've got really great mobility in my hips. I've got great mobility in my shoulders, which really help me do movements within the gym. Mm. So they really help me get a really great decent squat in. Really helps me make sure that my shoulders are back and down when I'm doing pulling motions so I don't need to round my back out which puts pressure onto my lower back. So a lot of the time if you're working at a desk, if you're driving a lot, the main things we hear is I've got tight hips, I've got lower back pain or your shoulders are really rounded. So we work on getting your mobility back to help you, you know, take those aches and pains away. Yeah, and I think for me, the big thing with mobility is it's a lot more functional than just being able to hold a stretch and things like that. Mm. So mobility is like the ability for you to move your body through space in an efficient manner, essentially. So like you say, if you can perform a full range squat or you can perform like a great range on your push-ups and things like that, that's what is more important for your kind of overall development versus just being able to hold that stretch position, that that splits position, or just being able to touch your toes and things like that. So you can be flexible for flexibility's sake, and it's not always necessarily the most um, beneficial thing for you to be. Like if, you, if you've got certain goals that you're trying to work on improving how your body moves and how you feel, then flexibility isn't always the best marker. But also with mobility, I would say it combines more of an element of strength as well. Yes. So rather than just the length of your muscle, you're looking at your ability to be able to use that length in the muscles and use that mobility, but to be able to create strength throughout that range. So um, a perfect example of this, we, we do an exercise in the gym called a floor press. And we always say to people, no matter what you do, it's already a bit of a shorter range exercise. Make sure you get them elbows to the floor so you can express your strength throughout the whole range of movement. Because if you only do an exercise through like, you know, 50% of the available range, you're only going to build strength like around that sort of range. You're not going to build the full range of the movement. So it's really important to start getting that mobility, but also building strength in that range too. And that's what allows you to be a lot more functional in your movements, allows you to have better kind of movement qualities throughout the whole range. And that's something that's really important to bear in mind is like not just chasing just strength or just flexibility, trying to be able to express strength through that range. And I've just remembered a quote I want to pull up later, but we'll get back to this in a little bit. Okay. Um, but that's a nice little one. And I think well, that's... Also, like going back to, you know, let's go to like the Olympic lifters. How amazing is their mobility? Mm. So if you see, if you ever watch the Olympic lifts, I mean, you've got to be so mobile to do that sort of work. And it's because they've worked all these great range of movements um, 
that they've been able to achieve that. So that's why as well, we make sure that mobility is in the sessions so that your big lifts that we work on, your squats, your deadlifts or whatever, you're doing them safely and making sure it's beneficial for you. Yeah, so a thing to remember about the way we train people is we train you for an all round general better quality of life. So we're not just, we're not like, we're not power lifters. We're not just bodybuilders. We're not just trying to like focus on one specific area. We're trying to develop all these qualities within you that are allowing you to be able to move better, to function better, to perform better. And a fancy term for it at the minute is like the hybrid athlete. So someone that has the strength, has the fitness, has the flexibility. And that's what we're kind of looking towards. So if you come to us, we're not just going to get you to lift like, you know, heavy, heavy weights for all the sessions doing like, you know, three exercises in a session, lifting as heavy as you can. It's not what we like to do. It's not our training method. It's not what we believe is the most rounded version of fitness. So we want to train on all these different qualities. And um, yeah, I think that's just something to really bear in mind is like, you know, what are your goals? We talked about this last, uh, last podcast. If your goals are to generally be able to run around after your kids or perform better at work or just feel great going out for a walk at the weekends and not feeling absolutely burnt out, then it's important to kind of tie these qualities together and make sure that we're working on these different things. Absolutely. And I remember there was an interview with Eddie Hall, obviously the strongest man in the world, okay? He's literally crazy. And you'd look at him and think that he only ever does strength work, but guess what other stuff he does in his training? Gymnastics. You wouldn't think that he is a very agile man. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> he came from swimming, didn't he? Like yeah. He came from a background of swimming, so he is like naturally like moves well, he's got a good athletic base. But he had one of the um, Olympic gymnasts, UK gymnasts, and I mean, obviously he's not as graceful as them, but he could do the moves and stuff. And he's like, because I have to be able to be so mobile in that way to perform the lifts that I do. Mm. Yeah, that's really, that's a lot more impressive to me to watch that. There's also a guy on Instagram. I think his name is Juji Mufu. <laughs> so it's J-U-J-I-M-U-F-U. I don't know what it stands for. It might be something. It might be a bit of a profanity, actually. But if you check him out on Instagram, like he, the guy is massive. He's jacked. He's stacked. But he does backflips. He does splits. He does like all these like same sort of things, like these Olympic and gymnastic type movements. And it's just a real kind of expression of fitness all round, rather than just focusing on the one quality. Because sure, if you are a powerlifter, then by all means, just go ahead and be you know practice your powerlifting, practice your skill, get stronger in those three core movements. But like most people do want more than just being strong or just being like, you know, um, just building muscle mass, for example. So it's important to kind of tie these things in together. Um, which kind of also brings on to our, our next fitness quality we want to work on, which is your, your cardiovascular fitness and your conditioning. Um, and I would like to start that off with a little bit of a quote. So this is from uh, a, a coach called Joel Jameson. So I'm actually doing his BioForce conditioning course, one of the things I'm working on. And this quote kind of summed up for me perfectly why it's good to focus on not just lifting, not just strength, but also your fitness as well. So basically he, he uses the word conditioning. And the quote is, conditioning is another word for the amount of strength you can use over time in the world outside the gym. Life isn't a one rep max. That's why everyone needs both strength and conditioning. And I thought that was super powerful. Powerful. Preach it. What's it called? Preach it, Jack. Joel. Joel. (laughs) (laughs) He might be listening to it. He's not listening to this. It's fine. So yeah, but I think that especially the part about life isn't a one rep max. And people get so caught up sometimes in like, you know, we've been guilty of it in the past and the way we've kind of programmed or the way we've talked about strength and things like that, of people just always chasing the big number on their big lifts, like their squats or deadlifts and stuff like that. But it's a great marker and it's a great tool to use at times. 
but also, you know, you don't need that sort of strength out in the real world. You don't yeah. need to go up. How often do you need to go and deadlift 150 kilos in one go? Yeah. Unless you're trying to save someone that's crushed under a car, which doesn't happen that often. No. And we're not belittling how impressive it is. The You know, when people can, they come in, they go, oh, my one rep max is X amount. It's really impressive and you must have trained hard mm. to get there. But it's understanding it's such a small amount of fitness, just like all the other aspects, it all knit together beautifully. And again, we want to make sure we have that all-round strength fitness and mobility Mm. so we can't forget about that cardiovascular health because not only is it going to help the heart how much it's going to make it stronger and work that whole system to get us better and reduce any sort of cardiovascular illnesses but it will really help you that's one is also really going to help you in everyday life Mm. so One thing I always say to people, especially if running is something that you're really wanting to get into, don't run to get fit, get fit to run. And a perfect way of doing that is increasing your cardiovascular health. And you can do so many things to increase your cardiovascular Mm. health without just running or without just doing... Uh, really high intensity training yeah I think that's that's another thing to bear in mind is at the minute the, the big craze when you look on um, you know the Instagram and stuff like that is always HIIT training high intensity interval training and it serves its purpose and it's got a place but it doesn't mean that it should be the be all and end all of your fitness training if you're working on building that cardiovascular health there's certain benefits you get from higher intensity work uh, and there's certain benefits you get from lower intensity work so things where your heart rate's kind of you know like a lot lower for a prolonged duration of time. So a good example, like just to kind of, without getting into specifics of heart rate percentages, if you go for like a, a power walk or a run or a cycle, for example, your high intensity work is stuff that you can't maintain for that uh, that long and you wouldn't be able to hold a conversation whilst you're doing it. You want some element of that in there, but you also want some of your lower, uh, lower intensity stuff where you could go for a light run or a light cycle or a light kind of, a light power walk or something where you know that your kind of heart rate's getting up there and you feel you're getting slightly out of breath, but you could still maintain like a, a good conversation with someone for a prolonged period of time. So that's really important too. Like sort of your zone two condition is a big buzzword at the minute. It's, it's really good for cardiovascular health. It's really good for your recovery. It still gets you doing more and moving more, but without kind of biting into that recovery element of it and making you just feel tired and trashed, which is what tends to happen when people just think they can do HIIT training and high intensity training like five days a week. Like everyone's got a shelf and a limit. Even the fittest amongst us have that limit. So it's about getting some of your higher intensity work and your lower intensity too. Yeah, definitely. I love lower intensity work. It's great. Mm. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. It's nice. And it's just like, it's something like that you can just, you know, it's not a chore to go out and do. Like that's, I think that's the biggest thing. If you've got to psych yourself up for every single session, even like, you know, some days you're feeling crappy, you want to go and do some work, but you're thinking, oh, this session's going to be super hard. I'm going to be super tired. It's going to be draining. I don't really want to go. That's not the sort of training you want in your routine all the time. It's nice just to have something where you can get out, go for like a nice light jog, light walk, light run, go to a class and do like a sort of a a dynamic yoga flow or a bit of Zumba or whatever it might be, but stuff that gets your heart rate up, but you enjoy it and it's not a chore and you're not dreading the thought of like going through that pain barrier to get there. Yeah, and it's not massive on like the joints and it's not massive on even like thinking power, like Mm. that sort of stuff. These are really important things that we have to think about. If you're doing really high intensity training, 
within like the gym or whatever, we need to make sure we're doing it really safely as well because it could mm. be a high chance of injury. So you've got to have a lot of thinking power. You've got to have a lot of motivation. You've got to have a lot of be like that ability to push through. Yeah. With that lower intensity, it can be just let's go and let's see, let's have fun. Um, and like you said, you'll go a lot longer. And- yeah, and you know what? We've I've actually spoken to a couple of people over the past couple of weeks that have been doing like hit workouts from YouTube. And they're like, I've had to give them up because my knees are trash now. So again, HIIT training is another thing where it is it is high intensity, but it also can be high impact. If there's a program of tons of jumps or tons of burpees or jumping jacks, star jumps, whatever it might be, all this stuff is, is pretty high intensity. So like Seth said earlier about the running, you're better off getting in shape to do HIIT than trying to do HIIT to get in shape mm. for the majority of people. So there's always nuance to this, yeah. but it's, it's something to bear in mind as well. Yeah. And I think that, um, I remember you telling me this, there was, a, we don't like to bash other um, forms of fitness. We don't. But there was that big craze, um, online craze when lockdown sort of hit. and Insanity, that one? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Insanity. And they counted how many jumps they had in like a half an hour session of Insanity and how not even top athletes jumped that much Mm. in their training sessions due to how much pressure it can put on your joints. Yeah, so I think like an Olympic level athlete, like a sprinter was doing like 30 to 60 jumps in a session. And then on Insanity, it was about... Oh, I don't know Double. one of them was like yeah. more than that I think one of them was about 500 repetitions of jumps that they factored in and then combine it with someone that doesn't really have the form they've not necessarily been coached on how like your body should land and all these sorts of things it can be really damaging and really dangerous to do that as well so it's kind of about building that foundation again yeah and so the sort of fitness that you would do within the gym or with us would be cardio kits. So we've got skiers, we've got bikes, we've got rows in there. Then we've also got uh, like big balls. We do that wall ball sort of things and med ball slams to the ground. Sled work. Everyone's uh, favourite. Everyone's favourite. So not only can it get your heart rate high and you will feel it and you'll feel out of breath, but we're looking after those joints. It's not like really jumping around and being intense on the so intense on the heart, not on the joints. Mm. Yeah. So and then one last quality we haven't talked about as well is a bit about our kind of balance and our motor control and our coordination. So tell us a bit more. So we all like to do the strength work and do the stuff like that. Now, one thing, I mean, this is just me being a coach for however many years I've done it for, single leg work will always get an eye roll. Whenever we want to do anything single-sided or balancey, it's like, oh, I can't do it, Safe, I can't do it. But it is so important to be able to balance and use our core, work one side of our body and the other side of our body. Now I want to give you a little test. Let me know if you can do this. Now it's not suitable for everybody, but quite a lot of the population. I want you to stand on one leg and without putting it down, get put your socks on. And if you can, that means that you've got great balance, great control. If you are unable to balance on one leg while putting your socks and your shoes on, 
that's why we've got a small balance issue. I feel like we need to film this for an Instagram video. I've now. done it already. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a big pass. I'm a big tick. <laughs> I think I'm good on one side, but I think I've got one side that's not as good as the other. Um, and that's kind of from reason of doing like a sport that's very much one-sided is it's like, it's one of those things where I have to be conscious about working on that balance and coordination. And it's not just about, you know, your balance in everyday life and sort of your coordination and motor control, but it's also about just injury resistance as well. If you've got massive imbalances, you're much more likely to pick up niggling injuries um, and kind of aches and pains and things like that. So it is really important and it is gonna help you again we're talking long term here, but it's going to help you so much more into later life if you've got that ability to balance. And just take, for example, when the weather's really icy mm -hmm. and you walk across a car park and there's a bit of frozen ice there, like a bit of black ice, you don't see it. If you've got poor strength and poor coordination and poor motor control, you'll hit that ice and you're much more likely to fall down and like, you know, crack something like chip a bone, whatever it might be. At a younger age, not an issue. But then think about doing that when you're 80 and you slip and fall and slide. And that can literally, that can be life-ending for some people. I know it's a bit morbid to talk about this stuff, but ultimately for, for us, the long game is so, so important to think and bear in mind because if you build that right base and foundation now, the rest of your life is going to be so much more capable and so much more stronger. And you won't even realize the qualities that you've built that are helping you in later life as well. So if you've got great balance and you've got great core control, great motor control, you might do that slip and you might just kind of, you know, your legs will flick out a few times and you'll be left and right a little bit, but you'll gather that balance before you hit the deck. And it's stuff like this that's so important for me to, to kind of express for people to build as well. Yeah, and even I had that the other week when I was scraping the car at 5am in the morning. I mean, there's one time where I'm just like, what the heck? There I was scraping it. It was super cold. And I walked around the other side of the car to the other window and I slipped. But I did the whole like wibbly wobbly stood up and I was like, oh my gosh, what just what just happened there? Mm. Um, and I'm going to use my beautiful nephew as an example, who, <laughs> he's only eight, right? He's only eight and he is a very, he's very fit. He's very football mad, but he's not got that strength or that control yet. And I'm sure people with kids who are listening will go this. He fell out of the car, literally got out of the car and just slid slowly and onto his back because he just didn't understand how to control or, mm. you know, save himself. But our strength and we've gone through it and our balance is able to save through that moment. Yeah, so... It was the important. cutest fall in the world. It was, it was funny. It was like, it happened in slow motion. You're just like, you're just staring, like flat on his back, staring at the sky like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes yeah, so that's our kind of training foundation really and all these elements and I know it sounds like a lot to fit in but you can actually hit all of these different areas within a single training session if it's structured well and programmed well um, and get that benefit from all these different things so like just as a quick rundown when we do a session in the gym we'll do a warm-up that includes like some mobility drills it might include some single leg work some balance work it might include a bit of core and a bit of cardiovascular then we'll have one or two main strength sections we'll work on those kind of building that core base of your strength up and then we'll have a final section that might be either another strength based section or like a more kind of dedicated fitness section for like 10 plus minutes so you can work all these qualities it's just about a little bit of smart programming about a little bit of understanding what you want to work towards but even if your goals are to build loads of muscle build loads of strength still don't neglect your fitness work because it will help you recover it'll help your body recover more quickly you'll be able to get more volume in on your strength work because you're not kind of blowing after doing one set of squats and having to sit down for 10 minutes 
all these things will really help you to develop a good all-round base and build that foundation. Yeah, and like you said, it can feel really overwhelming. If you're writing this down now and you're about to go to an everyday gym and you're going, right, I've got to get strength, mobility, fitness, balance all in my session. Wow, that's really overwhelming. But you know, well, that's the amazing thing about we have people out there who that's an easy job for a person to do. So if a person came to me and said that, I could create a fantastic 50 minute session for you. So that's why, you know, I'm never going to go and learn how to fix a car, but I know the mechanic down the road can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. I love that. So um, we're going to move on a little bit then just to nutrition. And again, this is like a minefield of this. So we don't want to cover loads of nutrition on this. And what we always say to someone, so if someone comes and works with us for the first 28 days, for example, is think about your nutrition as something initially to kind of fix any gaps in what you're currently doing. And try not to focus solely on like specifically body composition goals. So of course you can always see results in body composition goals. It's easy to lose a bit of body fat, build a bit of muscle, gain some strength or whatever it is. But for most people, you want to think about your longer term goals, your longer term process. Do you want to just work for 28 28 weeks or do you want to be healthier for the rest of your life? Because... I'm pretty sure for pretty much everyone, it's the latter, mm. but they just get frustrated with not getting results quickly. But the best thing you can do in your, when you're starting a program is build that solid foundation. Fix some of the key red flags in your diet first before worrying about kind of losing weight and stuff like that. Think about, like we say, our, our, our kind of ethos is feeling better and moving better and looking better all together. So all these things tie in with great nutrition. So it's easy to go on an 800 calorie diet and lose weight, but feel like crap. That's not we want what we what we want, and I'm sure you don't want that for the long term either. Can you imagine like getting to a certain weight on the scales, but always feeling drained and tired and low on energy? No one wants to live like that. People want to get the results they want, but feel energized, feel like their kind of body's healthy, feel like they can get up and go and do things, and not feel sluggish and tired all the time. So, what would you say are some of the key red flags that you like to fix during like a 28 days or the first couple of two to three months of someone's training journey? So most importantly for myself, I don't really care what you're eating right now. I'm not bothered. Like that is, you know, a lot of people will say, I don't have a bad diet. I don't have a bad diet. And first of all, nobody wants to say, oh, my diet's really awful. And nine times out of 10, diets aren't terrible. But the key thing that I care about is what aren't you getting? That's the main thing. That's habits that I want to build in. So Number one, do you think you get enough fruit or veg in your diet? And it's really simple to go yes or no, especially using the five a day term. Do you get five a day? And you kind of have that thinking, you go, yeah, probably not. So that is a massive, massive, um, you know, macronutrient that we're missing from our diet. You know, beautiful vitamins, minerals, and all the good stuff. So my first thing is, I don't care what you're eating, I more care about what you are not eating. And nine times out of 10 for people, it is fruit and veg. So making their plates really colorful and choosing great um, fruit and veg choices. And the second one is lean protein sources. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time, processed protein is is a massive one that we all get. Um, But actually we need to be looking at what lean sources that we can add into your diet. Those are the main two things that, especially if you've just walked up to me um, and you've just started with me, that is the two things that I'm going to speak about with you straight away. Yeah, so I think people are frustrated because they want this magic plan or this magic kind of bullet from the get-go, but 
it's just, just like, it's just not going to serve you long term. Like I know I've seen a few of these recently. I've seen a few kind of plans crafted by bodybuilders and it's like oats and porridge, uh, oats and protein powder for breakfast. And then it's like a grilled chicken breast with some green beans and some brown rice for dinner. And then like evening meal is like some more green veg and some salmon and stuff like that. These are great foundations and great starting points. We're starting to get the, the right things in there. But also, it can be so dull and so boring to have to follow somebody else's plan. Because what we try and like get you to think about is, what are you doing currently? And how can you improve on what you're currently doing? Rather than kind of throwing everything out and completely trying to overhaul your diet in a month, what can you do now with your current routine, your current plan to make that a little bit better? And that's the thing that's going to get you a lot more long-term progress. So the biggest thing we beg of you, beg, beg, beg of you listening to this now, is stop focusing on those quick fixes. I know you might be frustrated right now. You might want to see quick results. You might feel really unconfident with the way your body looks or feels or whatever. But please just think about that long game because it's so important and it's going to set you up the right way. And you're going to be able to maintain the results that you actually get if you focus on kind of building these key things into your current routine rather than trying to follow a 12-week plan of like, you know, set meals, set food, set times, and then finding it's just not something you can stick to for the long term. Absolutely. And it can be so easy to add these habits in there. But what we need to actually also do is make the habit so easy that it is physically impossible for you not to do. So I'm going to use the fruit and veg one, for example, right? Let's say um, you came to me, I had cereal every morning, Soph. I'll go, right, okay, like, great, that, that's that's you. We all love cereal. I mean, I'm not going to lie, it tastes better in the evening, but that's a different debate. <laughs> so if you said to me, I have cereal in the morning, I, I rush out the house so quickly I can't think. My first thing would be, okay, then I want you to have some fruit with that. And I want you to make that fruit super, super easy for you to do. So let's say I'll go, right, I want you to add three tangerines or three easy peelers. Can you unpeel your easy peelers the night before or every Sunday, sit and do an unpeeling of easy peelers while you're watching your favourite TV programme, pop them in a Tupperware so that you can literally take them in the car? Mm. It's that simple because I promise you, sometimes even the thought of peeling an easy peeler when it's a new habit already you are adding another dimension of hardness to Mm. it we need to take every dimension of hardness away so can you imagine waking up and you have three unpeeled easy peelers beautifully fresh in the fridge for you to go you are so much more likely to go okay i'm going to eat that either in the car or with my cereal than it be like oh i've got to unpeel them don't have time for that they just end up being mushy in my bag yeah and it's the same with like breaking things down like you know a common one for us is water as well isn't it hydration like people have kind of got that that set number in their head of i need to drink two liters of water a day but if you're currently drinking like you know one small glass of water and then like cups of teas and coffees for the rest of the day just starting off with like you know build your habit more simply by saying right as soon as i wake up i'm gonna have a glass of water when i wake up and then I'm gonna have another glass of water before I leave the house. Or if you're working from home, another glass of water before I sit down to my desk. Yeah, but let's break it down even more. <sighs> I would even say to somebody, everyone, okay, I'd like to hear the weirdos who don't do this, but everyone has a hot drink in the morning. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. You have a coffee. When? In the morning. Not before. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning. So <laughs> in the house. Um, <laughs> but not before I leave the house, though. You don't. No. I just learned something about you. you she wouldn't to. know because she's never up when I get up at 5am. She used uh, to. My, I had my power coffees, but I've since I had um, higher cholesterol than I wanted, I don't have them anymore. <laughs> okay. 
Right. <laughs> now now my whole thing is just debunked. Okay, let's what, talk about your, your routine. What I was going to say is every time I'm waiting, so every morning I have a cup of tea to start my day because I'm not weird. I have to have something. So when I come downstairs and I put the kettle on, while the kettle is boiling, I drink water until the kettle has popped. Okay. But you've just completely belittled it now, so I wish I never said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, like you say, just break these things down a little bit. And again, this might be a good follow-on for this for next week because we've been talking a lot about habits with our members recently. Um, it's just about kind of adding things in that make it easy. And sometimes you're going to feel like it's too easy for you to do. But that's how a habit should be. It should be so easy that you can't fail it. So if you say to yourself, right, I'm going to drink three litres of water a day, that's a big jump from someone that's drinking half a litre a day. So if you just make it so simple that you know you can definitely do it and you can stick to that for a couple of weeks and let that come part of your routine, that is going to be a lot better for you. Just an example for mine at the minute, my morning routine is before I leave the house, I'm doing five minutes of stretching and mobility. So I put on a favourite song and I'm just going to stretch for five minutes, whatever area it is, I'm going to do that because I know full well that I can do that every morning before I leave the house. But if I say to myself, I'm going to stretch before and after my training session, I know for a fact I'm not going to do it. Like this morning, I was coaching, I finished coaching about quarter past eight. I had until just past quarter to nine to be able to train and fit it all in. If I'd have said to myself, right, I'm going to do all these stretches now, it wouldn't have happened, but I know I could fit it in in the morning. So breaking your habits down, making it something that's really simple um, is the best way to go about this. Yeah, and make it, you know, don't make them too long. So again, it's like, you know, if you say to me, so I want to get 10,000 steps in a day. My question back to you would be, how many do you currently get? Mm. So if you currently get 8,000, I'd go, oh, yeah, doable, perfect, let's do that. But if you said to me, oh, I'll get about 3,000, I'm going to go, wow, that's a big jump. Why don't we try for 5,000 a day yeah. this week? Um, so, and then you'll go, well, it's too easy. Like, nothing's, I'm not going to achieve the things that I want to achieve. You will, because not only is it going to be doable for you, it's not going to be such a massive thing on top of your head. You're going to do it forever. You tell me who gets better results a person who walks 5,000 steps a day forever, or a person who walks 10,000 steps a day for four weeks? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, Break things down, make it too easy. And again, I think this would be a great one to follow up on next week with some of the stuff we've learned so far from Atomic Habits. We'll recap on the first few chapters we've read. Um, and then the next, the final thing with the nutrition side of things as well is just making sure that what you're doing is enjoyable. So that's why we kind of talked to you before about having something that is additional to your current routine um, and you're adding good foods in, you're kind of like tackling those red flags, but making it enjoyable for you as well. And that is the key way to help something stick and help it be a little bit more long-term. So if, you, if you've if got to go on this grim, boring plan that you absolutely hate, you're not going to stick to it forever. So make sure you eat in a way that you find enjoyable, that ties in the foods you enjoy, the foods you like. Sure, you might not have to moderate some of these foods. It doesn't mean, when we say you can eat everything that you enjoy, it doesn't mean you can eat it all in endless amounts. So there is kind of going to be some sort of give and take. You've got to kind of understand that as well. But you should never be restricting certain food groups. You should never be restricting your favorite foods. You should never go keto. All right, that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> I, I hate the keto diet. But <laughs> you should never do things that just feel like so far away from your current routine. Sure, these things might work in the short term, but you want something that's going to be enjoyable for the long term and gets you the results. Um, and ultimately, it's something that you, you know you can stick to. So can you do the plan you're eating in 12 months time? 
If yes, it's probably a great plan to get you long-term, lifelong results. Yeah. And remember, we just don't have to change everything at once. So you don't need to be going, say, let's you've got a really busy lifestyle and you always buy your food out on the go. It's not saying, well, now you have to prep every single meal. It's going, could you prep a few meals a week? Mm. Is that something that you were able to do? And here are some ideas. We've got so many mm. BFAST recipe books. Here are some ideas of bulk cooking. Here are some ideas of quick, simple recipes that mm. you add into your week three times. And then here are some great little tips and tricks that we can give you when you are out on the go and you are buying pack sandwiches from wherever it may be. We can still make that a little bit better. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, like I say, we'll go through another nutrition one soon. So we haven't talked about it yet this since the rebirth of the podcast, have we? So we'll break this down. So there's a lot more we can talk about. Um, but we just want to kind of move on to a couple of final points. So one thing we didn't talk about in our blueprint, and we kind of alluded to it in the last the last section, is but just trying to generally move a little bit more. So up in your, your niche, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis is the fancy term, but basically it just means try and walk a bit more. This is such an underrated thing for people, especially those of you working from home right now, working at desk jobs, sat a lot, mm. not getting out and about. If you just up your step count a little bit more than what you're doing right now, you'll get so many benefits. You'll get that kind of nice bit of fresh air. You'll get some more steps in. You'll get like you'll, you'll have a little bit of calorie burn from it as well. General activity that will help you clear your head. All these things just from adding in a little bit more walking. Yeah, and there was an amazing study done from people who bought like you know 20 pound gym memberships mm -hmm. um every day 24 hour gym memberships compared to people who had dogs and the amount of like fitness they got like people who went to the gym they maybe went like i think the average is one every 10 days mm -hmm. that you go to an everyday gym and when you have a dog the average you walk is at least every other day or every day yeah and the amount of neat that you got when you didn't have that gym membership, but you had a little purse, little tiny fluffer to walk. Yeah, it's huge, and it is. It's, it's something that's really easy to add in as well. That's the biggest thing. Is like I know it's a bit cliche, but it's the old terms of park a little bit further away in the car park when you go into a shop or something like that. You know, um, go you up the steps and the stairs instead of using the escalators or the lifts. All these little things and just adding these extra little steps in. They are such simple changes, but still like not enough people kind of make a conscious effort to do them and i think that's a really important term it is like a conscious effort to go through these things but they will help you feel better they'll help you move better they'll give you better energy and it's a real simple way just to kind of start improving your health straight away without even needing to worry about gym memberships or high intensity training sessions or strength work this can be a perfect starting point yes it can can i tell a story about my nan Mm. so my nan who's no longer with us anymore but when um, she was here and she was getting really really old what she used to there used to be a co-op at the end of the road and she used to split her shopping up in one day <laughs> so good. she used to go and get some butter and then walk back and then 20 minutes later walk up and get the bread and then walk back and I remember when she told me I used to think nan you are crazy but now I'm like nan you are incredible <laughs> yeah that's cool it's really cool and it is it's like it's just it's just that's a, a conscious effort to get more movement isn't it yeah. and just constant and walk around more and stuff like that so that's awesome so i think we're kind of about to wrap this up the only thing i wanted to add in here a little bit was also something that's so so important when you start your journey and maybe again this could be another whole episode in itself but it's just managing your expectations so just a little kind of thing to think about most people want more than they're capable of in one month. But 
they underestimate how much they're capable of in a year if they just don't give up. So most people think they can achieve more than they can in a month. So like they're expecting the world, they're expecting you know, to lose a stone or get super strong and all this sort of stuff in a month. And when they don't get that in the first month, they give up. Whereas if you build that foundation, you trust in the process, you decide to dedicate a whole year to yourself and your fitness goals, you can be a totally different version of yourself this time next year, fitter, stronger, healthier, more confident, all these things. So just don't underestimate how much you can change just by adding in these small steps and doing it consistently versus like feeling frustrated, feeling stuck and wanting to change the whole world at once. Just slow down. I know it's tough. I know it can be stressful, but just slow down a little bit. Try and focus on the bigger picture. And remember that ultimately this is a lifelong game that we want you to be healthier forever, not just for the next four, eight, 12 weeks. Yeah. And I think it's weird, you know, fitness is one of those things that we feel that we should, we deserve really quickly. Mm. And that results is something that we deserve really, really quickly. But we never expect that in other areas. I want you to look at your job right now. How long have you been at your job? If you have been in for, you know, 10 years, maybe look at your journey and how you've educated yourself all the way through you've learned the processes all the way through to get promotions to get where you are right now you how annoyed would you be if someone came in and they just went yep they're just going to be at the same level as you now within 28 days mm. you'd go that's that makes no sense i've worked so hard for this but we expect too much of ourselves when it comes to fitness and it's going you know what we need to go through these promotions yeah. we need to go through these life lessons and these learning curves and realize that it's not just something that we can achieve really quickly. It's mm. something that we need to earn and, and get over time. Yeah, for me at the minute, one of my new habits, I'm trying to learn a little bit of guitar and I'm only doing probably in total, probably like an hour a week of practice, but it's an hour more than I was doing last time. So I, I can't expect, I'm not gonna be the next Jimi Hendrix at the end of 28 days, probably not even in a lifetime. He's a, he's a bit <laughs> of an anomaly. But you know, if I keep doing that hour a week for the next kind of 52 weeks, that's 52 more hours of guitar practice than I've ever had. And even though like I can't play songs and stuff, I'm still struggling with like changing chords and all this sort of stuff at the minute. Like compared to when I first started, I can play a perfect A chord and a perfect D chord now just by like, I've been working on like my finger placement and stuff like that. So things that I couldn't do before and that I was really frustrated with at the start, now they're starting to click even after just like, you know, what was it been about three weeks, would you say? Just three weeks of little bits of practice. So if I keep that up and I'm, I'm working on this again in 12 months time, hopefully I'll be able to knock out a few songs easily and be able to kind of do that consistently. But I know for a fact it's not going to be this time next month. I'm not going to be great at in, in eight weeks time. And I wouldn't expect to be. I know it's a skill and it's something you have to learn. And your health and your fitness and your body goals are exactly the same. Yes. And guinea pig love. Guinea pig love. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> but I know that sounds crazy but when I first got my guinea pigs I don't know if you know I've got two beautiful guinea pigs called Kettle and Belle they were rescues and they were absolutely tight like absolutely terrified of me and Jamie mm. and I'll never forget so I would sit with these guinea pigs and I would read my book or I would do my work right next to them I'd used to just put my hand in the cage so they knew who I was I would hand feed them slow slow process and now they are so brave and I'll never forget Jamie saying to me oh they won't let me do what you do they won't let me do that. They'll never let me stroke in the cage. I'm like, have you sat with your hand in the cage and literally spoke to them for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. 
Like, no. So, yeah, they do trust me that little bit more, but I would be really annoyed if they trusted you more than me because I'd be like, I have sat here and put in the effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great, that's a great analogy, actually. <laughs> Thank so, you. I like that. So, anything else to add? No, I think that's a good place to end. Good place to end it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Let's just see if we can get the guinea pig to come and squeak just before we leave. Do oh, you... I've already done... Oh, Belle's fast asleep. Ah, oh, she's asleep. Next time. Well, we'll get them too. I mean, I could <laughs> say the V-E-G-G-I-E word, but they're fast asleep. Look, they're adorable. Yeah, she's snoring. Right, team. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. And we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. And if there's anything you would like us to cover on the show, email us at loosejimin at gmail.com. That's L-O-O-S-E-G-Y-M-I-N. Thank you so much.